Honor the victims, celebrate the heroes. That's Genius Book Publishing's approach to true crime. Covering some of the most important cases in crime worldwide, our books never glorify the killers, and the authors work tirelessly to bring the bad guys to justice. From the Melissa Witt case all the way to the Golden State Killer and the Zodiac, if you're looking for solid, meticulously researched, thrilling true crime, look no further than Genius Book Publishing's catalog of titles. Visit GeniusTrueCrime.com for the best true crime books available. Also available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Lockhart. And I'm LaDonna Humphrey. Welcome to Deep Dark Secrets. Today's episode takes us to Idaho, the gem state. And Idaho, believe it or not, has its fair share of dark secrets. Joseph Edward Duncan was a serial killer and a child molester who terrorized Coeur d'Alene, Idaho in 2005. He murdered a woman and her boyfriend and her 13-year-old son and then kidnapped her 9-year-old son and 8-year-old daughter and he drove them around to different campgrounds and tortured and molested them both for weeks. It was awful. That's horrifying. Yeah, he did wind up killing the boy, but he allowed the little girl to live and invited her to meet his mother, as weird as that is. Joseph told the young girl that she had taught him how to love and that he changed his mind about killing her. Fortunately for the little girl, he was caught with her in a Denny's restaurant and she was rescued. She is lucky to be alive. That's a strange turn of fate there that he he felt like he had fallen in love with the little girl. Oh, yeah, it's really sad. That's super sad. What a dark secret. The first known female serial killer in the U.S. came from Idaho, and her name was Lida Southerd. She was also called Lady Bluebeard. She was killing people in Twin Falls, Idaho, and this was like in the early 1900s. She had multiple marriages that ended in death, and so people were starting to get suspicious. Like, why do all of Lady Bluebeard's husbands die? Why are the people in her life dying all the time? So she eventually got convicted of poisoning people around her. And it wasn't just her spouses. She ended up poisoning a brother-in-law and even her own daughter. Wow, that's just pretty intense stuff. She was killing everybody in her family. That's horrible. Yeah, and the motive was actually for insurance money, believe it or not. Wow, that seems to be a motive in a lot of murders, though. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, that poisoning would be the way that that the first female serial killer would go about it. I find that interesting. I think there's got to be some interesting psychology behind it. And I know I've read some about 
you know, females that murder and they tend to choose methods that are less intrusive and bloody. And so it would be interesting to take a deeper dive into female serial killers someday. Yeah, we'll have an off the record talk about that. I'm curious about that as well, about what the methods wind up being male versus female. But Joseph Edward Duncan and Lady Bluebeard are not the only deep, dark secrets of Idaho. There is actually a very scary secret being harbored in Ketchum, Idaho, even today, right now. Ketchum, Idaho is a very small town. It looks like they have about 3,555 residents as of last year. And this town is just a mile away from Bald Mountain. And it's a tiny, quaint little town next to the ski resort. And you would never, ever think that it is harboring a death fetish producer. But it is. And his name is Thomas Oliver. Wow. I mean, I'm thinking about that in context with the population there. Would guess that a lot of people know Thomas. I'm sure everybody knows everybody in a town of that size. Thomas Oliver, he is in all these death fetish forums that we go in. LaDonna, you're going to know this username. I'm sure you are. His name is Tommy Gunn. Tommy Gunn. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So Thomas Oliver, aka Tommy Gunn, he is the owner of Black Nylon Films. And he also has a hand in Grey Panther films. And he's been re-releasing films from Rue Morgue. That's a friend of his made all those films. And something that we've discovered in all of our research is that a lot of these death fetish producers know each other. They're collaborating together. And, you know, so Thomas Oliver, he's no different. He's in Idaho, but he is making films with a lot of the Oregon death fetish producers. They run in packs. I tell you, these fetishers, people need to take that seriously because you've got this town of, you know, less than 4,000 people. And I'm going to call him Tommy Gunn. (laughs) He's he's probably bringing in old Tommy guns, bringing in his buddies that are into death fetish. That town should be afraid. Yeah, he probably thinks he runs that town. So one thing that I find is so fascinating about all these fetishers is that they really open up on these death fetish boards. They love to talk about themselves. And Thomas Oliver is no different. He has shared in the fetish forums that his death fetish started early on in childhood. And he's quoted as saying, my fetish comes from some angry times between my parents when I was very young. The problems they were having in their marriage shaped my fetish. He goes on to say, somehow I resolved their conflict in my head through the comeuppance that the bad girls got in old film flicks that I watched. Interesting. And vaguely frightening. What does it mean? Yeah, what does that mean? So let's unpack this here. He's saying that he got a death fetish as a young child through problems that his parents had in their marriage. I would guess that means he watched a lot of violence between the parents. I don't understand the part where he says that he was resolving his parents' conflict with movies that he was watching. 
That doesn't make sense to me. I think maybe he was picking out the scary or violent scenes from the movies and perhaps trying to resolve the conflict with violence that he was learning about in these movies. I mean, that's possible. Or maybe yeah, he wanna... was watching his dad hurt his mom. I, I don't know. Yeah, I want to go back to that last part of the quote. It says, through the comeuppance that the bad girls got in the old films. So it's almost like he was watching these fights with his parents and feeling like his mom needed to be punished, like the girls in the movies. That's possible. And it may be that he had a very strong-willed mother and that the father complained about that or maybe couldn't control her the way he wanted to and wanted to punish her as well. I mean, it sounds like there were some pretty serious psychological disturbances that were happening because of this violence in his home. And that's sad because it has formed what we know of as Tommy Gunn, which just even saying his screen name is kind of scary to me, just knowing what I know about him. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm thinking through this with him and I'm reminded of another quote that he said in one of the forums where he describes how he thinks that clothed and then undressed is best. I need to see real holes in the fabric and real holes in the skin plus the wetness of the flowing blood. It needs to be so realistic that I can feel the bullets in the tender body. Ew. Yeah, it's awful. And there's an, another part of the forum where he says, for those of us with these fantasies, they are actually a part of our life energy. When you deny them, you are restricting the real you. So we control them. We guide them. We certainly disguise them. But to repress them entirely would lead to much more negative behavior eventually. So he believes that expressing these fantasies on the death fetish forums for hours and hours every day and acting them out in films is keeping them all healthy. That's what he's saying. I think he could be saying that or I'm going to be blunt. I think he's also quite possibly indicating that acting these fantasies out and discussing them and watching the videos is keeping them from really killing people in the community. Hmm. That's a really scary thought. You know, that's not what the FBI's research on serial killers shows. You know, it, it actually shows that fantasies translate into reality and that spurring the fantasies onward usually ends up in this escalation process. But it seems like for a lot of the people in the forums, they want very desperately to think that what they're doing in these forums is helping them stay safe. You're exactly right. They're just fully immersing themselves in the gory details of these fantasies, and I'm not sure that that's so helpful. I wonder what the path would look like for somebody if they expressed the fantasies as often, but, you know, with a professional. I agree with you on that, but I think just based on the research that we've done, I've never come across a fetisher that wants to try to heal themselves from this or be well or speak to a therapist or to move past this. So I don't even know that that's part of their line of thinking. I really think it's just all fetish all the time. Yeah, it'd be interesting to connect with somebody who 
had gone the other way. But we will have a very hard time finding those people because if somebody did that, they are not going to be on those boards anymore. Right. Yeah, I was I was thinking that they would be running the opposite direction from all that is fetish. I wish that's what they'd all do, but we'll we'll get there eventually. But we're just kind of painting with these quotes a picture of where Thomas Oliver's head is at. He defends this fetish. He thinks that he needs to keep creating these films. He needs to keep writing stories. He needs to keep coming on the boards and role-playing with people because that's how he stays safe and that's how he thinks he's keeping himself from doing things in real life to people. So I think that's a very important thing to know about this man in this very small community of Ketchum, Idaho. He's not just in Idaho either. He also says that he lives part of the year in southwest Florida. He also says that he films some of these death fetish films out of the Atlanta area sometimes. So look out, Georgia. You have Tommy Gunn in your area as well. That's scary because that's getting into southern territory where I'm from. So. Let's keep him out of Arkansas. He's moving around. He's filming videos. He has said that he spent most of the pandemic in Idaho and was not able to travel like he usually would. So he's just been there in Ketchum, Idaho, in that small community for the last two years. And he admits that he is married and has two children. He says he has a beautiful family life. And that his wife knows about his quote-unquote strange affliction. He says that it was difficult for her to understand at first. But now, after that long of being married together, that she lets me retreat into my own world from time to time. Just as she does herself when she heads to Macy's. Same difference, I say. Wait, what? He's, if Tommy Gunn is comparing shopping to fantasizing about the murder of women, what? Yeah, he's like, I've got my murdering women thing. She's got her shopping for jeans thing. It's all the same. No, 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 no. Wow, he's out of touch with reality. I mean, all the fetishers are, but that statement, that's ridiculous. It is. I mean, oh, Tommy Gunn. He's not one of my favorites. Well, we have an update. Between the time we recorded this episode and aired it, we discovered that Thomas Oliver has multiple residences. And instead of spending most of his time in Idaho, as we previously mentioned, he's actually spending a bulk of his time in Georgia and in Florida. I'd like to give a little bit of background about him. Thomas Oliver is actually quite a wealthy man. We have discovered that he is a retired CEO of a Fortune 500 company that deals with worldwide hotels and lodging. And that is terrifying. That should terrify you. Can you imagine what a mentally ill death fetisher with ill intentions could do with access to that resource? That's actually very frightening because a couple of things come to mind. One, does he have key access to the rooms if he sees someone that he likes that he wants to be in one of his films? Or can you imagine staying in a hotel, a nice hotel, any hotel actually, and then later discovering that a death fetish film was produced there? That's more than I can handle. 
Yeah, we don't know what he's been doing with those hotels all of those years. It is not hard to imagine somebody who intends to traffic women, children, bodies, whatever he may be doing. I'm not saying I know what he's doing because I don't. I don't follow Thomas Oliver around, but I really feel uncomfortable with the idea of him having access to worldwide hotels. That is terrifying. It absolutely is. It makes me wonder how many people in his life, his close personal life and his employees and and guests, you know, of these expensive hotels know about what Thomas Oliver has been up to. I think that that could be a game changer for him when this episode airs, Alicia. Because I think people are going to want to know that this is happening. And I think they're going to think twice before they stay in any of these hotels that he's associated with. I'm certainly going to take pause. It scared me a little bit. Yeah, just like we always say, you cannot just say that all these fetishers are losers living in their mom's basements. Because some of them are high power men that can be involved in things we can't even imagine. Thomas Oliver does not have his own website which I think is interesting. Instead, he operates his business through shops hosted on other sites. So makes me curious, Alicia, why he is doing business that way. I think it probably has to do with some of the payment methods is what I've heard them say. He has clips for sale on places like Gumroad, a place called Power Shops with a Z at the end, and deadsexyclips.com. He also has a private collection club where people can pay him through PayPal or something called Gift Rocket. And Alicia and I actually have a PDF here that he sent out where he urged people to join his private club. And it's so shady. I mean, it's crazy. It says, just send the price of the desired clip via PayPal to TROServices at Yahoo.com and indicate the title you would like to have. Or if you prefer using a credit card, you can send it easily via giftrocket.com to blacknylonfilms at yahoo.com and indicate the title in the gift note. So he is asking people to join this private collection club where he sends secret clips to people through email that he is not posting on any website And he wants them to pay and act like you're sending a gift to him. That just screams shady. It does. And honestly, I'm going to be reporting his email address to both of these sites because most death fetish producers have been banned from using PayPal. And that's going to happen most likely to Thomas Oliver when we report this creep. So we got you, Tom, again. Yeah, that definitely needs to be reported. Oh, so I noticed something else that's disturbing. If you look, there's pricing a little bit further down on the sheet. And when he's listing out his pricing, he does it per model. So if you want more than one model in your film, you have to pay more for his custom films. And on this pricing sheet, he's calling his models victims. So it says here victim fees. One victim is 152 victims is 300. Three victims is 450. Four victims is 600. So you could just pile on as many victims as you want in your film. But that just bothers me that he's calling his models or actors victims. 
Yeah, that's really gruesome, actually. So let's take a look at how Thomas Oliver describes his work. Here on deadsexyclips.com, on his storefront, it says, Welcome to Black Nylon Films. Elegant legs in black nylons, full breasts pushing the fabric. A film noir story of a bad woman who receives her final reckoning at the point of a gun or an arrow. Black nylons, red blood, flowing wounds, a studio dedicated to the art of penetration wounds. That's disgusting. I haven't seen anybody use that phrase yet. Penetration wounds. That is so gross. So Thomas Oliver, he clearly has a fetish for wounds made by arrows, by guns, bullet holes. That's his thing. And that's what he's sharing with people through videos. And he's one of the smaller outfits in terms of death fetish producers. He has like a little over a hundred different videos for sale. And the categories of his videos are arrows, flying guns and bullets, belly aches, spitting silencers, female assassins, many dead bodies. Like, I guess that's a category to have like a bunch of dead bodies. Gross. There's also spies and counter spies, stabbing and bleeding. And westerns. That seems random. Westerns. That seems like such an odd addition to this gruesome display of bodies, bleeding, silencers, belly aches. How does that even fit in? I wonder if that's what he was talking about when he was saying that he used to watch old movies where women got what was coming to them. Maybe it was westerns. Maybe that's part of his fetish. That's actually quite possible. So I want to take a look at a few of his videos so we can just give everyone an idea of, you know, what what are these videos like that he's making? Because he's a little bit different than some of the other producers we've covered. He's more into these gunshot wounds than some of the other producers. So the first video I have pulled up is called Bloody Belly. And the description says, Quinn enjoys watching videos of young women being slowly stabbed with a long knife right in the belly and navel. She gets the ultimate gift, a killer. At first, Quinn is fearful, then excited, then fearful again. Then suddenly, the knife is pushed deep into her belly. She cries out and bleeds and cries and struggles. Finally, she collapses and the killer puts the blade to her navel and pushes it in. Again, a huge rush of pain. Quinn tries to control herself, but it's no use. She's bleeding her life away. The killer stabs her belly a third time and then twists the blade up into Quinn's heart. Finally, the young woman gives up and falls into a stare at forever. So we can see in the preview images of this film, and they're, it's graphic, it's really disgusting, it's A woman that's completely nude. She's got a knife sticking in her belly. You can still see the killer who has stabbed her is holding the knife in her belly and that blood is rushing down her body. I mean, it's just, it's gruesome and it looks real. I have trouble even looking at this clip. And then the second clip, 
that goes along with this, she's actually lying on the floor. I presume that he pulled the knife out because we don't see the killer or the knife anymore. And she's laying in her own pool of blood. So this lady on the floor, she's got so much blood that it looks like she's wearing a pair of bloody pants. It's so thick. It's all over her. It's a lot to look at. I just can't believe that somebody's looking at this and that it's arousing to them. Yeah, it's disgusting. It looks like crime scene photos. It really does. I mean, it's terrible. But here's another one. This one is called Pitchfork in My Belly. And the description is a voluptuous Vanessa Villano, who was a bit pregnant at the time, heads to the showers after a long day. As she is soaping up, she's surprised by a killer with a pitchfork. Get out, she cries, but to no avail. He spears her in the legs, which is very painful. Vanessa can't believe this is happening. Then he plunges the fork into her belly. Oh my God, how terrible that is. She bleeds and moans and cries, pressing her five wounds from the pitchfork. They bleed the more all the way down her full belly. Slowly she begins to collapse and finally settles against the shower wall. The killer finishes her off with a shove of the fork into her breasts. She struggles to stay alive, but finally her eyes roll up and she gives her last gasp. Her pose is so undignified, no view of her full body is omitted or obscured, but she is beyond caring. The camera looks at her staring eyes and the bleeding holes all over her. I had trouble reading this. This was really... This might be the most disgusting one that we've had to read out. It's so... I cannot stand that he wants everyone to know that she's pregnant. And and she's getting stabbed with a pitchfork. It's an odd storyline that she's pregnant in the shower and the killer comes with a pitchfork. It's just so incredibly gruesome. And so the preview photos that he's showing to to sell this video, you just see the pitchfork coming into the frame and, you know, grazing her skin. And then she's got these big holes with just blood dripping out. And he he's pitchforked her in the belly and then over her breasts as well. And so there's just again imagery of this petite woman in the shower with the pitchfork touching her body and then there's some pictures of her laying unconscious with blood coming out of her mouth out of her breasts out of her stomach there's just so much blood yeah this it's it's super bloody i will have to say this it doesn't look as realistic to me as the other film that we just looked at those clips This wasn't very well done, Tommy Gunn, but the idea is pretty disgusting. And I'm just disturbed that somebody thought this film up. I mean, I just, it's sick. Yeah, the the pitchfork plus pregnancy thing still has me sputtering. I just can't, I can't do it. It's so bad. It just, I'm still floored that there could be anybody looking at this, like going, ooh, well... Tommy Gunn can, at least. This is one of his fantasies. Yeah, so those are two examples of his videos. We're going to pull up one more. This last video we have today is called Cheerleader Jihad. So 
great. Not only is he a death fetisher, but he's a racist, too. I'm shaking my head. I know the listeners can't see me shaking my head, but this just really, this just takes it to a whole new level. This description says four young cheerleaders are out for a stroll after a competition and they come upon an old building. They decide that it's a great place to practice cheers. Why, of course. The problem is fanatical jihadists are lurking in the back, ready to take advantage of these innocent girls to show their displeasure with the Western decadence. What makes the clip so long is that they're led out to the stakes one by one rather than in a group. Each is undressed and machine-gunned mercilessly. And the description says it is quite terrible. The oh. bullet hit. Yeah, I agree, Tommy. It's terrible. I mean, does the guy have a conscience? It doesn't seem like it. The bullets hit. The bodies jerk with impacts. Slow motion repeats show the penetrations. Each of them dies slowly in great agony, crying, moaning, shaking. Then the bullet-ridden bodies are piled into a flatbed and driven into the desert where the bodies are rolled into a dirt pit. Very erotic body handling throughout this film. Lots of great effects and the black nylon's trademark of spreading, flowing red blood. Well, I would say that his trademark is just being utterly disgusting. But what bothers me, honestly, <laughs> is this is about cheerleaders and it's either going to be high school or, you know, college age. So these are young girls that he's fantasizing about killing in this way i'm gonna be honest the clips are really hard for me to even look at yeah these clips here it shows these girls they're backed up against some kind of wooden structure and they're crying it looks like they're pleading for their lives and then there's other clips of them just in piles like pile of bodies just covered in dirt and blood and Something about seeing a pile of bodies is just so much worse than one at a time for me. It just makes me feel even more gross than than the other videos. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to just I had to look away. It was it's too much. I don't know if it's just the idea of what you just mentioned, there being multiple bodies. I don't know. It was really, really tough for me to look at to think about but it did help fuel my anger and my fire my passion to tell the story about Tommy Gunn I want people to remember that there are federal laws against these kinds of films there are obscenity charges Thomas Oliver has scooted his way around this law by not showing necrophilia in his films which okay he thought he was above the law, so to speak. Yes, the laws can vary and are different in different locations, can be a case-by-case basis, as obscenity often is, but they need to know they're not going to get away with this. I think Mr. Oliver may have forgotten, or maybe he is trying to ignore the fact that Idaho laws are actually different than the federal laws, and he could still be in big trouble. Because the current Idaho obscenity laws state that it's obscene 
if the film depicts or describes patently offensive representations or descriptions of ultimate sexual acts, normal or perverted, actual or simulated, or masturbation, if it shows any kind of lewd close-ups exhibition of the genitals or genital area, that's all considered obscene. And in the context in which this is used, that the matter has no serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. I think Um, we can agree that it doesn't. No, it has none, zero, at all. And it's disgusting. He skirted the federal laws, but he has totally missed out on laws in Idaho. And I think he's in a lot of trouble. And the sentence and the fines that he could receive for these films is up to $1,000 or imprisonment in the county jail for six months or both. Thomas Oliver has residence in Georgia, and he also has residence in Florida. For Georgia, there is a law about distributing obscene material. Obscenity and related offenses have a charge as a misdemeanor. The misdemeanor convictions in Georgia carry a penalty of up to 12 months in jail, $1,000 in fines, or both. So Thomas Oliver, if we submit your content to the police and they take a look at it and they deem it obscene for Georgia, you could face 12 months in jail or a $1,000 fine for what you're doing right now. And then if he's doing videos in Florida, there's other laws. They have laws that govern obscenity in all kinds of forms. For example, art, phones, computers, live performances, and movies. The most common form of punishment in Florida is fines, confiscation of the material, or an order that bans future productions. But if you are found guilty of this section, it is a first-degree misdemeanor punishable up to one year in the county jail. That would be very uncomfortable to spend a year in a county jail, I would think. Especially for Thomas Oliver, who's used to living a life of luxury. That would not be a good time. So I hope he's taking pause in Florida, too. But it gets a little bit better because the fines for violating one of the obscenity laws in Florida can range anywhere from $1,000 to $10,000 per count. Ooh, I love that. So that adds up pretty quickly. And probation, get this, a probation period can range anywhere from one year to 15 years per count, depending on the crime you are found to have committed. That's pretty steep. I'm really liking Florida. When you take a look at the system there, their county jail is used to incarcerate offenders while their court case is pending if the person is unable to bond out. I think someone like... Thomas Oliver would probably be able to bond himself out so he wouldn't spend as much time as maybe a lower level producer would. But it's still something to think about because there would be people that would find out in his circle of what Thomas had been up to. This will be a public embarrassment for him. That's exactly what I was going to say. It would be a public humiliation. And there's also one other thing that Florida does institute, and it's called community control. And it's like a hybrid form of probation and jail. So you're allowed to go home, but you're also required to wear a device that tells where you are at all times. I think that Thomas needs to have one of those devices because he seems to like to travel and that would 
put the kibosh on him being able to hop over to Georgia or to Idaho for sure. And it would really slow down the production process of these horrific films. Can we get one of those for all the fetishers? Because I want to know where they are. I think that they're all ticking time bombs. And shame on you, Thomas Oliver, for making content that encourages people to fantasize about murdering women. It's disgusting and you deserve to be punished for it. I like the idea of trying to get this instituted, you know, maybe across the United States for fetishers that are convicted of producing this kind of filth that's so dangerous to our communities. I like that idea. I don't think they're any different than sexual predators. I think they should be registered. If, you know, you can trace back somebody's true identity to engaging in this kind of content online, I believe that they're a danger to society and people should know that a person like this is in their neighborhood, in their community. We need the public to know about these people. Absolutely. I think I would add one last thing. You and I were just talking about this yesterday, actually, Alicia, that we've been using this term fetisher, but I think maybe an even more appropriate term to share with our listeners and to start really trying to hammer home is the fact that this is a predatory act. These guys are predators. They're hunting women. They're fantasizing about hunting women and taking their lives away. That's serious. It's not a fantasy. It can very easily cross over into reality based on the influence of these forums and this content that Thomas Oliver is creating. I second what you said. Shame on you, Thomas Oliver. And we've got our eyes on you. Thomas Oliver, if you're listening, you better get ready. We're coming for you, and the police may be coming for you too, because what you're doing is illegal. For our listeners today, thank you so much for going along this horrific ride with us. We thank you so much for listening. We do hope that you do a little bit of research and find out what the laws are in your area where you're listening from, because these obscenity laws are different state to state. If you do happen to find out what your obscenity laws are in a state we haven't covered, send us an email. Drop us a line on our website. We're at deepdarksecretspodcast.com and you can look at our website for the latest information about law changes and petitions. Absolutely. And if you happen to know Thomas Oliver, aka Tommy Gunn, and you have information to report, please feel free to visit our website and leave us some information. We'll keep you confidential. We'll keep you safe. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, keep your lights on. For exclusive content from this episode and all other episodes, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash deep dark secrets. Sign up and you'll be able to see some visuals that accompany each episode.